get the Splash Camp slide up there? There we go. All right. Who was here for Egg Scramble yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So we announced there, and we got a ton of people signed up. If you're not signed up for Splash Camp, it's a one-day free camp, June 15th. Uh, runs 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Again, everything's free for three-year-olds all the way up to the sixth grade. Last year, last year was our first to do it, right? We saw 40 baptisms. Um, come on. And uh, there we go. And about 25 baptisms of the Holy Spirit. And one kid, come on, come on. Um, I love this. One kid told us that after he prayed, he heard an audible voice say, thank you for letting me in. Come on. So, um, it, yes, we're going to get wet and wild and take goofy pictures and all that stuff. But we're going to release the power of the Lord just like today. I, I'm sorry, I can't be tame on Easter. Uh, I can't be tame at, at kids' camps. We want God to move every time. Amen? Otherwise, I, I, I don't want to go to a club. I want to go to a church where God's alive. Uh, sorry. I'm just going to preach. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's do this. Can we stand and welcome Tim today and just honor um, for all that Tim and Elizabeth have just poured into this house? Um, and just thank you, Tim, as you come up. Let's just give him a round of applause. Thanks, Tim. Good morning. Good morning. It's afternoon, I guess. Ooh. Awesome. Well, we're just so excited. If you're new with us today, you got a pretty good flavor of who we are. Uh, we've just determined to love Jesus with all of our heart. And the more we do that, the more we find we break out of the mold that the world is trying to put the church in. And so we just want to encourage you today just to feel comfortable in His presence and feel comfortable among family because the truth is the government of God is the family of God. The family of God is the result of the resurrection that we're going to talk about today. And so I just, if you want to start turning, you can turn with John to John 20. I'm going to read a big passage of Scripture today. I'm going to read the whole chapter actually. But while you're turning there, I just want to say this, that I want to I talk today about the resurrection in the present tense, not the past. Because the resurrection was not a one-time moment. There was a natural breaking in, but the results and the fruit of the resurrection are still happening in your lives today. And if we will believe that, we will actually bear all the fruit of resurrection life. God, God I, today my desire is to talk to you about that, that the whole resurrection happened so that He could restore us completely. He wants to restore you completely today. And the way that He did that was the, 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 after the fall of man, there was always a plan in God's heart. And, and just so you know it wasn't plan B, He turned to the serpent immediately and He said, Out of Eve is coming one who's going to crush your head. Because I'd have a desire to love on my kids, and you're separating us from that, so I'm coming back to take my kids back. And so the whole story of resurrection, the whole story of, of what we're going to celebrate and have been celebrating, is being celebrated all around the globe today. 
How, how does a story start where, how do we get to a place where a story has captured all of mankind? Why? Because it's God's heart being displayed on earth. And so, I want to talk to you more about the resurrection today, and we're just going to read the whole chapter of what is happening, but I want you to see that the result of this story that's going on in a very personal way with the disciples and with those who Jesus had interacted with is there's a big picture too. Amen? And that's you. You're the big picture. God wasn't just interacting with His disciples. This is not just a past story. He was thinking about today. He was thinking about His people. He was thinking about His children. He was thinking about love. He was thinking about how do I get to where I can be with them again. And so today we are not celebrating a past act of 2,000 years ago. We are celebrating a now moment in the kingdom of God. A moment where all over the world today people are celebrating that Jesus is risen. But the fact, the greater statement of that is that they are living in the life that He created for them. And so He's not looking for us just to celebrate the past. He's looking for a now moment. So we're going to read John. Then we're going to get into the whole place of restoration here. John 20. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. That's John, by the way, the one writing this. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I mean, John was goal-oriented. He loved a gold star. He gave it to himself in the Scripture. And he was faster than Peter, apparently. It says, He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen laying there and did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, just to remind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there and as, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, whom reached the tomb first, also went inside. And when he saw and believed, he saw and believed. How many of you have seen him and believed? Come on, that's that's our uh, the glory of, of free will. He said, hey, will you believe in me? He says, they still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise, raise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they have taken him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. I mean, a grief can blind you. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Whoa, I bet that was awesome. Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Arabic, Rabbi, which means teacher. 
Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said what? Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was an awesome moment. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in the hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. We've all been there, right? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, Thomas, you're out? It says a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach, into my, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many of you know you just got blessed by Jesus? I love the scripture. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I want to talk to you today about what does life in Jesus' name, from this resurrection, look like. And it looks like restoration. Now, I, I want to tear down, because sometimes we use words, and we have mental images or pictures that actually keep us from the full truth. Restoration is never less in God's eyes and in God's ways, in the very DNA of heaven, restoration is greater than the original. And a lot of times when we approach when we approach restoration, we think about the pain and the sorrow, and we're like, well, that area has been restored. And what we're really saying is I'm forgiven of it, but I'm not healed of it. And Jesus came and lived the perfect life, hung on the cross, was laid in a, in a tomb of another person, and raised three days from the dead so that we could be restored, completely made whole, completely restored. He didn't come and say, hey, I'm just going to forgive you so you can get to heaven. Heaven is wonderful. Heaven is our eternal resting place. Heaven is where we're called to, but he called us to live on earth fully restored. And the problem is we've thought and we have captured the idea that I'll be restored in heaven when God said I came to earth so you could be restored on earth. And he's looking to restore us. So I want to give you a, a, an example today. How many of you saw on, on the news this week that the Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris burned? 
tragedy, right? How many have ever been there? It's one of the most amazing places. Elizabeth and I, a few years ago, we were in France for some mission work, and we had to, we had to fly out of Paris, so we got a day there. And, and we can do a lot in a day. We, I, it's miraculous what, what we can do in a day. And so we decided we would do the Louvre, the Orsay, and, and all these things. And we actually had a day and a half or two days. And so we were, and Notre Dame wasn't really high on our list. I don't know why, because I'll tell you why. Pictures don't do it justice. And so we went and we did all these other things, but we kept seeing the cathedral. And finally one day we were like, well, we're going to pop out on the subway. We should just pop out and see it. And when we popped out, we were like, we've made a mistake. We should have been here longer. Because the detail and the intricacy and the, and the beauty of that place. And, and as, I, as on Monday, we were, we were relaxing out on the back porch. And I look over and Elizabeth's crying. She goes, Notre Dame's on fire. I was like, what? They'll get it. I'm always an optimist. They'll put it out. It, it, there's no way it's going to burn. But it burned. And we all saw it on the news. We all saw the pictures of the... And, and, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, this cathedral was created for something. It was something created to house the presence of God and display His glory. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, well, that sounds a lot like us. We were created to house the very presence of God. It was His plan. He didn't just want to be just have an overriding presence. He wanted to put his presence in his kids. He wanted to put the very person of who he was on the inside of us because he wants us to be like dad. And he said, now I'm going to put it in you and now you're going to display my glory. And I got to thinking about the cathedral and I got to thinking about, and, and you know, there was a lot of grieving. But it instantly... The next day, what were the words that were being talked about the cathedral? Restoration. Full restoration. Complete restoration. See, even in the natural, they, they would never leave that version of, in brokenness and disarray. Do you know they've already raised a billion, a B, billion dollars to restore the Notre Dame Cathedral? Why is that? Because even in the natural, people don't want to leave something that was made to hold God's presence and has displayed His glory. 30,000 people a day visited there. Say, well, why are you talking about that? Because when people see something beautiful that was made to hold God's presence, they'll be drawn to it. And God is looking for a people who who will carry and display like that cathedral. Now what do we do? Because in the natural, they're saying now we've got to restore it. How much more our Father in Heaven going to restore His people who have been broken and hurt and maybe even the fires of hell have tried to burn you up on the inside and saying, no, I'm going to restore you completely. I heard an amazing fact that they have an inch by inch digital recreation of that so that it can restore it greater than it was before. Why? Because we have better materials and better tools now. Yeah, power tools, right? (laughs) No more chisels and hammers. Thank you, Jesus. But what am I saying? That's heaven's plan. He's not saying, I'm going to restore you, but you're going to bear the marks of sin and death and pain all over your life. 
He's not saying you're going to limp into heaven so you can get restored there. He's not saying, oh, life on earth is going to be so hard and just hang in there, hang in there and you'll get to heaven. He's saying, I have come to restore you. And, and that's, where the, that, that's where the enemy comes in because he has plans to still kill and destroy, right? And Jesus has come to say, I have given you life and life more abundantly to restore you. See, we, we, have, to, we have to actually believe that Jesus, when he was hanging there, and he died and he rose again. He was thinking about our full restoration. Like I said, they've already raised a billion dollars. Now, I don't want to get in the argument of like, should we, could we, what else could we do with that? All I know is that people are willing to pay for restoration because they're longing for something beautiful. No other argument. And the Father has paid the price of restoration for us with Jesus. It's way more than a billion dollars. He gave Jesus. Can you imagine that conversation with the Trinity? They're in eternity, so I don't know when they had it. But the father looked at Jesus and he said, hey, there's only one way to get them back. And Jesus said, I know. And I'm excited to do it. And the Holy Spirit said, whoa, me too. I'm going to go help. And the father said, and you just remember to tell them this was always my plan. And there was, but, but then the cost of actually, Philippians says he emptied himself of being deity and came down to be a man and lived this perfect life. I know that, I, I just want to say this, sometimes we think about Jesus and we think robot from heaven. No, he was tempted in every way like you are. Every way. And he was perfect. Why? So we could be perfect. So I'm going to read you six Things that were the cost of restoration here. Wow, it's 1222. I'm going to read them quickly. The first one is this. And this is all through, I was reading the Passion story this week, and it says, I said, he was quiet to charges, so our charges would be silenced. You know, he could have amazed them. He could have blown them away with his words. But instead, he was silent, so that, the enemy would have to be silent when it came to us. I could go forever on that one. Number two, he was broken so my body could be healed. It, it is a result of the cross. And guess what? That's God's will. Just, I'm just answering any questions. Was well, it God's will to heal? Yes, he sent Jesus. He decided 2,000 years ago. Number three, he wore... Mockery and false robes, a crown of thorns, and a stick as a staff of authority. So we could wear robes of righteousness, a crown of glory, and carry the authority of the kingdom. I've read that story I, probably thousands of times. I've never thought that he was doing that intentionally so that we could carry everything beautifully. Number four. He was a mocked and accused to end the power of accusation. He was mocked and accused to end the power of, of uh, accusation. Now this one is the one that blew me away. He was accused of being powerless so we could be powerful. As he hung on the cross, says they were walking by saying, Oh, you said you were the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, come and get yourself down. Show us that power. He healed others. 
Why can't he heal himself right now? They're accusing him of being powerless. The most powerful man to ever walk the face of the earth. Anointed by the Holy Spirit, not as God. He could have called down the angels and they would have come. At one whisper of the angels to come and all the angels in the cosmos would have come and got him down. And he sat there, accused of being powerless. Why? Because he had to take it so that we could be powerful. He's made you to be powerful. If you, if you just think, well, I'm weak. He's made you to be powerful. Sixth one, I'm, I'm hurrying. He refused rescue for himself to bring rescue to all of us. They said, hey, if you're the Son of God, I love it, it's the guy over here on the other cross, right? Rescue yourself. And he always adds a tag, and us. Why? Selfishness. And Jesus is like, no, I've got a bigger picture in mind. It's called billions of people. I have billions of people in my heart right now. I have billions of people. I'm not going to rescue myself so I can rescue billions of people. Sometimes we lose the fact that Jesus came for everyone. He was thinking of everyone, even the ones that were going to say no. He was thinking of them. So five minutes. Cool. Well, what are these things that are being restored in us? Actually, I'm just going to do one. One thing. I believe that this whole place of resurrection and crucifixion, that Jesus was communicating this. Jesus was as much communicating our worth as dealing with our sin. Oftentimes when we think about the cross, we think about that, yes, he, yes He's taking away the sins of the world, but the other parallel track to that is He is communicating the value of man. He's communicating your value, Gary. He's communicating that I am doing this to show them what they're worth. I'm communicating to get them back. I'm communicating all of these things. But see, value is based on what you will pay for something. I remember the MasterCard commercials where they would show all these things, what they cost, and then at the end they would show like amazing family moment or a moment that, that, were, that was beautiful and it would say priceless. Right? And Jesus, the enemy has constantly tried to put a tag on what we're worth. And when Jesus was hanging on that cross and going to hell and telling them, I'm taking the keys back, he was communicating one thing, that mankind is priceless. Yes, and forgiven and all the, I could say so many things, but this is where I'm sticking right now. See, in Matthew 13, I want you to see that, that verse in a little bit different. It's where the merchant is looking for the pearl, and we always put ourselves in the place of the merchant, and we find the kingdom, right? And it's this beautiful pearl. We sell everything to get it. But I want you to see today that, that Jesus was the merchant, and you were the pearl. And he was looking everywhere. Why? Because the Father said, hey, I love man, and man is my pearl. And I, man and woman, and can I be clear about that? Man, mankind. And he said, I love them. And he said, and they are a pearl. And I want you to go, and Jesus said, and I'll give everything for it. I'll give myself for it. Why? Because he was communicating our value. Actually, Jesus' whole time on earth, he was communicating the value of man. He was restoring the value of man. 
when religion had beat him down and said, you can't do this and you can't do that, he was removing those bounds. There's times where they say like, hey, if your sheep falls in, you can go get your sheep out on the Sabbath. But if your friend is hurt or sick or dying, you can't heal them. How many of that's broken? That's broken of God's theory, of God's way of the DNA of how he built everything was that, that man is the most valuable. But religion had blinded them from seeing that. And in, in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 12, 12, he says this, he says, man is more valuable than a sheep. What was he saying? I am here to restore the value of man. I am here to show you that you are valuable. And one of the reasons I had Chris get up here at the offering, because we were just sitting down there, he's like, what's God doing? I was like, man, ain't we doing anything he wants right now? But we wanted to have the time of salvation because I want the end here today to look and be a little bit different. It's not just about salvation. Now, if you didn't come and give your life to the Lord and there's something in your heart burning right now and saying, man, I've got to do that, we're going to have people here. But we're also, I felt like the Lord told me I, two things. I've got one thing from, it's written in pen, that that was from during the worship. And I'm going to start with that. I feel like there's some people in here the Lord told me, and not to embarrass you, He's he's coming to fix, He's coming to fix what the enemy stole from you. And He told me that there's some people in here that have been stolen from. And specifically, I feel like there's some people that, that you lost people in your life that were supposed to give you something that didn't. And the Father is coming like a great big dad today and going to give you everything you needed at that moment. Now, that's pretty big words. Say, well, I can go to a lifetime of counseling, or you can believe it right now, that he wants to give it to you right now. And if you, it, and now I'm going to ask you to be bold. If that's you, and you feel like something's been stolen from your life, and you say, I feel like in this atmosphere, God's going to give it back today. In this atmosphere of the resurrection life, God's going to give it back today. I'm going to ask you to stand up. The Holy Spirit never misses, does he? I know Jesus makes all things new. Everything you've ever needed. And one of the lies of the enemy is he constantly reminds you what you didn't have. Because he doesn't want to talk about the truth of what you do have access to. Oh. Sorry, I wasn't expecting that person. Yeah, and someone, there's, and God is coming to give right now. I, I know this because I did not have this in my notes, but he said, I am restoring what's been stolen. And so if you're standing up right now, I'm just going to ask you to put your hands out. For those of you who are just knowing the loss of someone, I believe this, that the comfort of heaven is coming in such a radical way right now. A radical expression that only God could do. Even the world calls ridiculous. Like, there's no way you'll overcome that. Jesus is here right now. And those of you who are sitting, if you just reach out your hands towards those, I want you to pray. Like, I want you to see the Father giving them everything they need right now. In the story in Luke 15, the older son turns to the Father, and the Father says to him, don't you know that everything I have is yours? So we just say to everything stolen right now, anyone, anything that was that was in their life, that you had put in their life, that the enemy has tried to steal, 
We say everything that was stolen be restored right now. Better than before. And we say you're not coming out with pain and a limp. You're coming out with wholeness today. In Jesus' name. All right, you guys can sit down. I just feel like there's one other thing he's wanting to do. And this is, this one is super special. This is what Jesus was on the cross for. He was saying, I want to restore your value. And if there's anyone in here that's been struggling with the idea that I'm not valuable, or the enemy is constantly lying in your ear, you're not valuable. You're worthless. If, if, if you were of value, then this wouldn't have happened, or this wouldn't have happened. And he, he's built this whole case against you that you immediately go to the idea, I'm not valuable. I believe that this whole meeting gathering today has been about communicating your value. Because what did we do? We worshipped, you, we worshipped Him for who He was and what He did. And then in that, came flooding back in, I did it for you. And if so if there's anyone in here right now, and we're going to end with this, I promise we're not going long today. If, if you just say that the enemy has been lying to me, that I am not valuable. I feel like there's some of you from birth, there's been something being communicated to you that you are not valuable. Maybe your parents didn't do a good job. That's okay, Jesus did. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. If you just say, man, I, I've got to have that value. I've got to hear the value of heaven. I want you to see yourself as that precious pearl right now. <laughs> Father said, I've got a pearl in the field down there. And Jesus said, I know I'm going to get it. And I'm going to tell them how much they're worth. I'm going to tell them how beautiful they are. I'm going to tell them that they're worth my life. See, there's a beautiful moment of, of God's children coming into His family today. There's also a beautiful moment of God's children believing who they are in Him today. It's just as powerful today as your salvation day. Because if you don't believe you're valuable, you'll let the enemy tell you otherwise. And then worse than that, then our actions begin to prove it. So if your actions have been proving that you're not valuable, or have been trying to declare that you're not valuable, we just we forgive you of those. And we just say they're all based in a lie. See, if you didn't catch that in John 20, it said, whoever we forgive is forgiven. So you're forgiven. Now just stretch out your hands. Here comes a huge download of value. How many of you want to help? Just how about we gather around those that are standing? Listen, you're new with us today. We just welcome you. We, we just say that the Lord loves you. He's lavishing His love in here on everyone. Now, does everyone have someone with them? Now, here's the glory of all of His saints. You get to give away what you have received freely. So the value that you have had revelation from from the Father, I want you to begin to pour it out on them. I want you just to begin to give it away for free. Begin to make declaration over them. And then we're going to pray the Holy Spirit come and, and give revelation that only He can do. That's good. Yeah, you can do it out loud. You don't have to whisper. Yeah, we just break off the lies right now of the enemy that you have no worth. We break off the lies that, that your worth is attached to what you do. Your worth is attached to, to your actions. Your worth is attached to all those things. We say your worth 
is, is attached to Jesus on the cross. And he said, I call you priceless. I call you worth my life. I call you worth everything. Heaven was standing saying, you're worth it all. When Jesus was on the cross, they were saying, mankind. They were saying, you, that's standing there right now. I could call some of your names. He's saying, you're worth it. You're worth it. You were worth it. You are worth it. And you will always be worth it. Now just bless them. Speak life over them. Encourage them. You're already doing that. But one more time, just like, like their life depends on it. That's good, Susan. Now, if everyone could just turn their attention to the Lord for a minute. How many of you, when you talk about the big picture, the overflow always has to be thanksgiving. The overflow. That's why it, some might consider us a little crazy in our praise and our worship. But we've, just, we've caught hold of, wow, He really did love us. And He does love us. And so if, if just all of us could just lift our hands to the Lord right now. You're new with this and you don't feel comfortable doing this. Just, I encourage you, just give it one hand of a try. Why? It says this, it says in the Psalms, it says, lifting holy hands to Him. As a sacrifice, we worship Him. See, I can lift my hands right now, and without one word, I'm declaring my thankfulness. So we just lift our hands to You, and we worship You. We honor You. We give You our lives. We just say, Lord, again today, we give you our lives. Oh, uh-huh. 
Jesus. Today we're celebrating the most radical day in history. And the most radical acts require radical response. So I just say, He is risen. risen (laughs) We just say, You're risen, God. (laughs) Well, where would we go from here? Just go and be excellent. excellent. Let the gospel flow out of you this week. If you receive salvation, I just say today's the greatest day in your life. <laughs> Get with some people, grow with some people. Um, I always like to put it this way. I, I've always been in the family business. I work for my dad. <laughs> That's what we all do now. So I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray with you. Our senior pastors, Tim Elizabeth Darnell, are going to stand out right at the back doors of the foyer. We'd love to get to know you, greet you, pray with you, and uh, have a blessed week. Amen.